Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of NFL Only Better and it's a very, very exciting period. Yes, it is. The playoffs have begun. We are here. Super wildcard weekend, as Mike Carson loves to call it. <laughs> he doesn't like, he doesn't like more, to call it that. People. More does not make it super. <laughs> this is, but this is America. More is always better. You know, so they think they, they there's no there's no idea that you can oversaturate your audience, although it's pr- proven time and time again. It's in sports. The audience gets oversaturated. But anyway. more more is better. Jump off. More is better. Greed is good. Let's go for it, Kieran. Let's do it. I've got a big show today. Super we wild. A big show. show. <laughs> uh, Twelve teams are left uh, to compete for the Super Bowl. We will be looking at uh, Raiders, Bengals, Patriots, Bills, Eagles, Bucks. 49ers, Cowboys, Steelers at Chiefs, Cardinals at Rams. One of those is the Super Bowl winner, gentlemen. But before we get to that, we should point out that the Cleveland Browns are polishing their participation trophy right now. Oh, (laughs) Oh, you've been saving that one, Mike, have you? You've been saving that one for a while. I did not think we'd go that early with stuff like that, but there we go. Um, (laughs) A dagger through my heart at this time of the morning. The uh, the managerial merry-go-round. We're a little bit later today, people. It's Wednesday at 11 a.m. as opposed to 9 a.m. Hence why I feel I'm already bubbling up a bit. Um, and, and six not, cup of coffee not, already. Not merely 60 seconds out of bed. But um, <laughs> the mar- managerial merry-go-round has begun. Um, for those of you who follow us on Twitter, and you should, I'm hilarious. Um, the big one, of course, before we get to what the, the the news out of New York was, the sacking of Brian Flores, Mike, which which took a lot of people by surprise, considering he's won 19 games in the last two seasons and was, you know, a hair's breadth really away from getting Miami back into the playoffs. Yeah, it surprised me a lot, but I think it's a sign of, of internal strife in Miami, which was hinted at at the beginning of the season or in, in preseason, you know, with, with the release of a couple of guys, Flores had gone out and wanted to sign um, particularly the ex-Patriots, Karras on the offensive line and Van Noy. And they needed to, they, they thought they had replacements for Van Noy, but it was two guys basically who were going to take his place. And that's not what he wanted to do. So I think I mentioned way before the season started that, you know, this was a sign of some kind of uh, disconnect. I think in the end, what happened was that Flores probably wanted a little bit more control of what was going on. By midseason, that team had had gelled into a decent team, a very good defense, and still a spotty offense that needs work. But that's what the draft is for in your third season. And I think Steve Ross, the owner, was forced to choose between Flores and his GM. And cynics would say that the owner chooses the GM because... It's a, he has more control over the GM than the coach. Um, it's hard to see what Flores did wrong. There are a couple of teams out there looking for coaches right now where I would think he would be a good hire um, if, if they wanted to do that. Because it seemed to me that he went into Miami and was building a culture. Um, and that would mean he was one of the few Belichick coaching tree people to actually go out and do that. They all go in and most of them sort of try to be Bill Belichick, which they're not. And so inevitably it fails. Yeah, well, look, some critics will point to uh, his tenure finishing with 24 and 25. That's his win-loss. But you have to take into account that uh, he inherited a very, very poor team and his first season Absolutely. went 5 and 11. Mm-hmm. So take the 5 and 11 season. Now, that's first year, you know, he, he, of his three years. Since then, he's won 19 games. You know, that, that's, that's a lot. Like, Miami are a lot better than when he came into the job. So, John, were you surprised at this one? And And... 
I guess Chicago is probably one of the places we could see him. Or several other places, Las Vegas even maybe, or Jacksonville. I'd say Jacksonville mm-hmm. will be jumping all over this. Uh, yeah, I was very surprised. We were talking about it here and kind of off air on, on text message and stuff. But, you know, I think, uh, unless I'm wrong on this, he he did win seven of his last eight games of the season, which is, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that that's, it was a kind of an historic thing as well, where no one's won seven games straight or whatever it was, or six games straight at the time, and then had a six or seven game losing streak earlier on the season as well, which kind of just speaks to the, how dysfunctional that that entire uh, franchise was this season as well. But, you know, the evidence does suggest, or did suggest at least, that he turned that corner significantly. So it really, really does beg the question, as you kind of alluded to, Kieran, as to what really was going on there. This doesn't seem to be a decision made based upon purely on-field matters. There's all sorts of rumors coming out now about, you know, disruption in the quarterback room. And uh, I, I read a, one of the NFL beat reporters last night uh, was talking about how uh, Tua Tungai-Baloa had kind of lost his head one day at Flores, told Flores he didn't know how to deal with people. He didn't like the treatment he was getting. And it's like, listen, man, this is the NFL. You know, you're going to, if you're not playing well, you're going you're gonna to get a, you're, you know, beaten up by your coach. And it sounds like that's kind of what happened here a little bit. And unfortunately, it seems to have cost him his job. And as you also said here, and I think this could well be one of those things that Miami ends up regretting, because who are they going to get in there? There's no, I mean, I, I can't think off the top of my head of a standout candidate because right now, of all the NFL coaches available, Brian Flores is probably the, the standout coach at the moment. Uh, Mike, very swiftly, because we want to move on, obviously, to all the big games. Um, uh, movement in New York as well. Uh, late movement in New York. It, yeah, it well, appeared... I, I, you know, after after the whole debacle of the, you know, the on the four yard line going into that 1925 that was great. Re- reverse wedge quarterback sneak kind of formation. On a third and nine, Judge. for those who yeah. didn't see it, it was third <laughs> and nine. It, it, it's like um, if I said, I said earlier a couple of days ago, if I were the if I were management, I would have run down on the field and fired Judge right there because you're sending a message. You're sending a message that you don't think your team is good enough to even, you know, get away with going on third down without turning the ball over or something worse. Um, so, I found it amazing that I found I had a great sympathy with Judge when the news came out yesterday, simply because they told him twice and they told publicly twice that they weren't going to fire him. You know, that Gettleman was retiring, not not quote unquote being fired. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happened, I think, is that that just made it publicly hard to keep him. But they had also decided to go outside for a GM. They originally they were going to promote the assistant up. And I think the public outcry about that got to them. And then they decided if we're going to hire a new GM, we got to let the GM choose the coach. We can't really say, okay, here's Joe judge and here's Daniel Jones. And you got to live with both of them. Um, And so that that's kind of, so I kind of feel sorry for Joe judge because basically I don't think he is the guy who signed Mike Glennon to be the backup quarterback. Um, And the last four or five weeks have been disgusting. You know, if you're a giant fan or if you're a football fan, because they weren't really playing football. Yeah, no, they, they haven't been. So we'll put up quite a mean thing on Twitter, which was basically that the New York Giants at the start of the season put a tweet up and it was like, how many touchdowns will Kenny Calladay get this year? <laughs> yeah. And by the end of the season, the answer is zero. <laughs> in Same fairness, with the first round pick Tony as well, right? Zero yeah. touchdowns from him. In, in fairness, John Mara has done a great job of keeping uh, ta- players taunting under control, which, well, seems, which seems to be his main worry, not, not his franchise. <laughs> so it's not a total loss. 
Not at all. So to our results from last week, look, I said it last week that the last week and the first week are such dangerous weeks. And it's so it came to be for myself and Sean. Uh, I went for the Arizona Cardinals, who I believed were in a fine run of form and would beat Seattle. Um, They did not. Um, Seattle turned up uh, something they haven't done for various uh, games this season. Um, John, you were with Green Bay Packers. That was we. We also we found out later in the week, obviously, that the Packers were not going to start or, or at least not play Aaron Rodgers. Well, they played a bunch of starters for uh, they were uh, a little bit of the game. Yeah, for a little bit. They were, I think, they were seventeen nil up or something, and then they were like, "Up oh, on you go, Jordan Love." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No love for that, uh, yeah. Mike. You you played it pretty safe in the end, didn't you? I've got you down as a winner. Uh, That's what the best bet's supposed to be. <laughs> it isn't all. It doesn't always work out that way. But um, Tampa and eight. I didn't have any doubt that that Tampa would leave Tom Brady in. Um, you know, until the result was kind of decided, which actually made sense because given the the churn in their roster, you know, he, he really needs to get on the same page with receivers more than anything else. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a pretty a pretty safe bet. And, um, you know, if, if it weren't, um, then considering it was Carolina on the other side, it made it safe. Okay, now to uh, a little bit of a look back. Obviously, we did our season preview. We did a mid-season review. And here we are at the start of the playoffs. And I assume we'll have a couple of new listeners joining us for the playoffs. Welcome. You've missed um, a lot. Uh, at the moment, the Super Bowl outright. Uh, Green Bay Packers is 7-2. to The Kansas City Chiefs 4-1. to The Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are both 7-1. to The Tennessee Titans are 8-1. to The Rams are 9-1. to The Dallas Cowboys are 10s. And it's 16s bar for that in terms of the AFC it's 13 to 8 short about Kansas City Tennessee who of course are not the number one seed uh, Tennessee Titans 3 to 1 Buffalo Bills 10 to 3 Bengals 15 to 2 Patriots 9s and double figures the others the NFC again short Green Bay Packers 13 to 8 Tampa Bay Buccaneers current Super Bowl champions 3 to 1 9 to 2 the Rams Cowboys 11 to 2 double figure prices the rest when we spoke from our season preview, gentlemen, at the very start of the year or the, around August time, so not start of the year, start of the season, um, Mike, you went for, well, you went for kind of Kansas City to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a repeat of the Super Bowl is what you actually said. And yeah. John, you went for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, those were your two kind of main takeaways. They are now one and two in terms of the Super Bowl winner. Either of you changing your mind on any of that? I don't think so. Not at this stage. I've gone Green Bay all season long so far. And despite that loss last weekend to, to uh, the Lions, which, as we just kind of mentioned, you can't really you can't really take much from that. I think this uh, this this is a Green Bay team who's looking really, really good coming into this part of the season, coming into the postseason. Um, the week off now will do them the world of good as well. Uh, and I think as well. You know, like I said, you do disregard that loss to Detroit, but the week the week prior to that, their their game against Minnesota, I think, was probably their, if not their best performance of the season, one of the best performances of the season for them because they seem to, you know, they ironed out a bunch of their deficiencies in that game. There there've been questions about their run defense, and they were, you know, going up there against Alvin Cook, and I think they limited him to less than twenty yards or something ridiculous in the, in the, in the course of the entire game. So if they're if this is the if this is the Green Bay Packers we're seeing going into the postseason, I think they're justifiable favorites to to take the whole thing. I wouldn't argue with with John on that, um, especially since if it comes down to a Green Bay Tampa conference championship, it's going to be in Green Bay, um, which always gives them an advantage, um, in, in especially if it's low temperature games. Um, and 
but in the AFC, I'm still, I would still think, you know, the Chiefs are, are the right pick. Um, the Bills are probably the second best team, but the Bills are so inconsistent. I mean, both these teams are inconsistent, but the Bills, mm-hmm. you know, it's inconsistency on a huge scale. It's like everybody shows up to play well, where everybody, both sides of the ball show up to play badly. When they play well, they're very, very good. Um, and they would probably be defensively be able to give Kansas city some trouble uh, because it's been the offense that's been malfunctioning for them. Um, but they have adjusted. You notice that they're not trying to keep, they, they're not trying to keep throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill deep. And, you know, they're, they're using the running game a lot more. Their offensive line is run blocking really well. So yeah, I think chief chiefs, Tampa Green Bay is probably a pretty safe, uh, pretty safe bet. And, you know, we'll just have to see if it comes down to Tampa and Green Bay, if I'm going to be right about Tampa. Okay. And then we also asked at the time um, of the season preview, and we had a sort of a, a recatch up of our mid-season review of um, our outside picks. Now, when I was listening back, I didn't actually give a pick for the Super Bowl, I left it to you experts, but I did give an outside pick, which was the Tennessee Titans. And I think they were about 33s for the Super Bowl. Now they're 10s, uh, 8s, excuse me, sorry, and are the number one seed. Um, I will take credit for uh, calling that, but I will also say that I'm surprised that they are the number one seed based on how they played, but we can get that again. Uh, John, you went for, uh, well, you actually went for Patriots, um, who are now 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. And Mike, you went for Seattle, who are no longer involved at the races. And there was some talk about the Raiders, who I technically have made the playoffs. But I don't <laughs> technically. Think technically. Yeah, I think I was probably talking about the Ravens as well, because I always talk about the Ravens. Again, they there. haven't made the playoffs. Either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so of that, I suppose, just to, if people are looking at the prices, because it's it's very competitively priced still, the Super Bowl. It's why it's a wonderful thing to get involved in. And I, I should correct myself earlier on when I said how many teams were left. I actually left off the teams that are on a bye. So <laughs> uh, add two to what I said earlier. <laughs> Um, so it's seven to two outright, you know, like seven to two the field, like that's it's mm-hmm. quite tempting. So, but once you get beyond Tampa, uh, so Tampa Bills, KC, Green Bay Packers, let's park them for a second. Below them, Titans eight to one, Rams nine to one, Cowboys ten to one, Bengals sixteen to one, Forty Niners twenties, Cardinals twenties, Patriots twenties, Raiders, Eagles, Steelers. Let's remove Raiders, Eagles, Steelers. I don't think anyone sees them coming in. They are fifty to one and bigger. Of, the, of that group of Cardinals, 49ers, Bengals, Cowboys, Rams, Titans, is there anyone that anyone could see coming from the yeah. pack? There's one for, one that sticks out to me anyway, and it's a team who finished the season well and, in my opinion, has a pretty decent first game in the playoffs, and that's San Francisco, who were, again, they're a momentum team at the moment. They're playing pretty decent football. Do you remember, this is a team that were, you know, nine games into the season, they had a losing record, and then they ended up finishing 10-7, and seven, so that speaks to something. And they're going um, this weekend to Dallas to play the Cowboys, which, in my opinion, listen, the Dallas have been looking better. Dallas have been looking as good as they've been looking since 2018 this year. But I still think that's a winnable game because they're they're very up and down and they've shown the the um, ability to, you know, to concede a, a bunch of points on the board. So I think um, oh, and also the other factor in this one is that San Francisco so far this season, they're six and three on the road, which is just a good stat that I like heading into this game, too. So this game to me will come down to I sure I'll get into it later when we're talking about it. But yeah, I think the um, yeah, the 49ers are real contenders. And the, if they can get through this game, I'd, I'd like to see how, how far they can go. And Mike. Yeah, uh, John, that's what I was going to say, basically. Um, <laughs> if you want a dog, it's probably the 49ers. Um, if if they don't beat Dallas, Dallas becomes my kind of 
that's a fair point. Underdog favorite. Yeah. I think I think either of those teams have a chance to go to go further forward. Um, it, it's difficult because Tampa and Green Bay, you know, are are really good. But I think uh, for all the reasons John was saying about both teams, um, you have to look at this game. I'm I'm probably going to back the Niners, although I'd like more than three. I think in Dallas, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, the the winner of this game will be some will be a team that no one can take lightly uh, in the yeah. NFC. It's interesting you both went NFC teams, um, which makes me think that there's a little bit of a bias towards that. That you think that that in the AFC, too many teams have been inconsistent, and too many teams that are maybe shouldn't really be in the playoffs at this stage or, or aren't really that good are involved. Would I be right? I mean, you know, Pittsburgh, St- <coughs> Pittsburgh oh, Steelers, yeah. etc. I think that's a fair thing to say. Like, who are the who are the standout? I mean, obviously Tennessee are in there, but they're on a on a buy this week going into, or they're on a, you know they're they're not playing this week because they won their uh, the the conference. But I think of all the teams, I think the I think Cincinnati are the team that look most like a division winner um, on the AFC side of things to me. Anyway, just looking at my notes here, I think um, you know they're the team that seem to be ticking on both sides of the ball, and they seem to be. You know, again, I'm a like I've just said twice already, but I'm a big momentum guy, and they've got that at the moment. And, and Burrow's playing out of his out of his skin at the minute, so I think um, Cincinnati could be in with a shout there too. I think. Yeah, Burrow's sort of their strength and their weakness because they tend to leave him on an island, uh, which you don't usually say about quarterbacks. But you know, they they send a lot of receivers out, and they don't give him the blocking, and so he turns he turns the ball over quite a bit. He gets sacked quite a bit, and games you know can can go with that, but. As you saw in, in la- the last last week's game, you know, close your eyes and throw it to Jamar is not a bad strategy, um, yeah. especially when the referees are going to, you know, throw the flag if he doesn't catch the ball almost <laughs> automatically. Um, oh. I, I would go with New England, I think, but I'm not oh, sure. Oh, would you? That's a shock. I'm not. Well, I'm not sure New England get by. I'm not sure New England get by Buffalo. Um, it's a fascinating game. It's an, it's an intriguing game, and and you know, for me for new England to beat Buffalo, they've got to take an early lead and then control, control the ball after that. I don't know if they're capable of doing that. You know, um, I know they're incapable of, of coming back if they're down, if they're down by a big number. Let's, let's put a pin in that. Let's go to the games. Let's start (laughs) with the, uh, I'm going to go uh, with the times over here, obviously, Karen. Uh, half nine on Saturday, or 9.31, technically, National Football League. Las Vegas Raiders take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Nine to five about the Raiders. Cincinnati Bengals, four to nine. 4.5 is the current spread. Uh, 49 is the over-under. And I guess um, when we're talking about this game, guys, we should mention how the Raiders got here, which does seem to have been some sort of... Um, handshake or nod at in during overtime that we would have a draw and then suddenly the plans changed due to maybe a timeout by the chargers or some stuff mike do you think do you think the plans changed nah i don't think so i, you I think they were both playing for the win and over i don't think they I, were I, I think it didn't matter to them but once once it was there they were going to take it um you know they weren't going to take a knee because you just don't do that um it would be too obvious um and and after the 10 yard run by Jacobs they were in an easy field goal position and you know when you have a Carlson standing by to win the game at the buzzer you give you give him the ball and you let him do it 
There is a video. Hold on now. There's a video going around Twitter. That's after the game, man. You could be messing with their head, you know? (laughs) Well, for those who haven't seen it, it shows, supposedly shows a Raiders player telling Austin Eckler that they were just going to run the ball uh, out uh, and let the time go out until his coach stepped in with a strange timeout. Yeah, you don't believe the first time Brandon Staley outsmarted himself in in fairness. Uh, But okay, look, let's get to the game. Mike, we'll stick with you. Uh, Raiders at Bengals at four and a half points. Look, John says the Bengals come in with momentum. They've got a a QB that a lot of people are talking about as one of the next big QBs when Rodgers and Brady sail off into sunset. Uh, they've got one of the hottest wide receivers in the game. They've got a, a running back that was on an unbelievable, I think he went nine games scoring a touchdown, you know, and, and, and the Raiders are there possibly, possibly because at the moment the AFC is, is not as strong as the NFC. I mean, are you surprised it's not a touchdown as a handicap? Well, it started off on Monday. It was six and a half and it's dropped to four and a half, which I thought, yeah, I thought it was, was five and a half last night. And so, yeah, well, John, um, now it's the morning. Oh, open <laughs> I, your eyes. No, I, I checked. I actually checked this week for the opening lines. Just just uh, out of curiosity. It's the only one that's really changed a lot, um, which says to me that a lot of people thought Vegas was a pretty good bet getting almost a touchdown. Um, you know, and so so the line the line dropped there. Um when they they met around Thanksgiving in Vegas and the score doesn't look close, but it was actually a pretty close game. But, but McPherson kicked four field goals, three of which were over 50 yards. And I think the other one was 48, Um, you know, so they were settling for long field goals and, but that was enough to give them the win. Uh, What I said about Cincinnati before simply applies. Um, If they can protect Joe Burrow, they win the game. Um, I think that's that's the bottom line. And and, you know, Max Crosby had a great game last week against the the Raiders uh, against the Chargers. He's a good, a really good off uh, defensive lineman. But um, otherwise, I think you can control that Vegas offense. Uh, you know, there's no there's no real deep threat. You, you can play them in a zone if you want and try to keep them underneath. So I, I, I like I like Cincinnati. Uh, the fewer points the Raiders are getting, the better I, the better I like them. And the over under is forty nine. In fact, all the over unders in in this week, uh, four of the four of the six are, are forty nine or better, which is a big change from the last couple of weeks when they were all they all seem to be going down. And and I will also point out that the NFL schedulers did their usual thing of putting the northern games that that are likely to get low temperatures and bad weather at night on Saturday when no one will, you know, when the, when the audience will be fewer. So this game, this game kicks off at uh, four 30, which is just after sunrise sunset and the new England game kicks off at uh, eight, eight 15 um, in Buffalo in, in January, you know, it's going to be cold up there. But that's what we like. Um, John. Uh, yeah. I, I can't see anything but a Bengals victory. I think Derek Harris had a great season, but I do think when the ball is snapped and he looks up, He's got like one out, and if he's marked, Renfro, yeah. he's in trouble. That's that's true. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of almost remarkable that the Raiders are in this position in the first place. Not just for the 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 reason you mentioned in the game last week here, but just the season that they've had. They've you know they sacked the head coach. They obviously there was the Henry Rugg situation. There was a bunch of other things that happened off the field that could have. You know, any one of those things could have derailed another team's season, but somehow they've they've stuck through and qualified for the for the postseason here, which is just, I think, uh, 
that's that will kind of represent some measure of success when they're looking back on the uh, on the season regardless of what happens in in this week's game i think i do think that the bengals are justifiable favorites in this but at the same time this is a team you know that this is this is the this this weekend will be the most high pressure game of joe burrow's nfl career by far like nothing comes close to this one and and just a caution you know just to look at the other side of the coin this bengals team has got a they had a losing record the last five years in a row <laughs> You know, Derek Carr is a more seasoned quarterback. He's a more experienced quarterback in the playoffs, obviously, than, than Joe Burrow is. So, you know, those are things to look at when you're when you're thinking about putting some money down on this one. But still, I think, you know, uh, it's hard to look anywhere other than, than Cincinnati in this one. Does a Raiders win mean it's impossible to fire Rispasaccia? Probably not. I'd say they've, got, they've decided two or three weeks ago who their targets are but you know i maybe if it depends how far they go how, how much do they win is a win in this game enough that's what i asked <laughs> yeah i'll say yeah uh, i'll go with no didn't uh, correct me if i'm wrong mike do the bengals have the longest or had the longest losing playoff streak as well in the nfl at one period uh, during the franchise and you mean not getting into the playoffs or, or losing losing play- losing their first game in the playoffs when they did actually get to it i think they had that one of the I longest don't, streaks I, in the that NFL. i don't know yeah I think they, it's true, they hadn't it? they hadn't had a super bowl run since oh what would it be icky woods and ken anderson um, no, Icky Woods and probably wasn't born. Probably wasn't born. Probably wasn't born, Mike. You can look that up later. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Mike's, Google, Mike's, Google the Icky Shuffle. <laughs> Mike's New England Patriots. See what I did there? Take on uh, the Buffalo Bills and head to Buffalo, as Mike said. Oh, what a cold, dark night. It's huh. eight to five about the New England Patriots. The Buffalo Bills are wanted to four points. It's spread just only four points and 44.5 is the over under. John Baff, go to you. It's only four points because the Bills are an inconsistent, bloody team. They are inconsistent, but, you know, I, it depends, you know, okay, go back a month, right? And they were, this day last month, or at least the 12th of December, they were playing Tampa Bay. And whatever the score, I think they were, yeah, I've got it written down here. They were 24-3 down to Tampa Bay at halftime in that game. And I remember just looking at Twitter and seeing all sorts of reactions from Buffalo Bills fans saying, you know, this team is toast. They can't, you know, what a disappointing season. We, we had Super Bowl hopes here and, and it's all falling apart in front of our eyes. You know, I, I remember at the same time, this is a team who had at that point, you know, I think a week or two prior, Indianapolis had put up 45 points on them. It kind of seemed like the sky was falling a little bit in Buffalo. But then in that particular Tampa, Tampa Bay game, they came out in the second half and brought it to overtime, which they eventually lost, unfortunately. But And after that, they went 4-0 to clinch the second division title and kind of cement... In, in most people's eyes, the sort of power transfer. That's going I, I resent your calling the AFC East the second division. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you did there, Mike. They're a second consecutive division title <laughs> and cement the power transfer going on in, in, in that division. So, you know, I kind of have a little bit of issue with the the uh, the inconsistencies of the Bills, particularly in the last month, because, you know, this is a, again, this is a what have you done for me lately kind of league. And what they've done lately has been, you know, it, they're not they're not setting any records out there, but they're looking like a team who's got themselves back on track and to the point that they've got a, you know, a, a home game now in their weather against, well, we've kind of seen a weather game with the Patriots already this season. So um, I think they can justifiably look upon themselves as being very, very satisfied with the last third that they played of the season or the last quarter of the season. And I think that they should hold themselves in good stead against the Patriots. Um, I think 
because of the fact that we've seen this game so recently, I think the Bills will have a bit more of an idea how to approach it, so long as Mac Jones doesn't pass you know, three times and they just run the ball for 98% of the game. But I like, I like the Bills with the points in this one. I think uh, I've picked the Patriots earlier in the season as kind of a dark horse, but I just think momentum has shifted slightly towards Buffalo and uh, I think they can get it done this weekend. Okay, uh, let's go live to yeah. Foxborough now and Mike Carson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, well, I mean, John's absolutely right. The Bills have been, you know, Dr. Josh Allen and Carlos Hyde, basically. <laughs> um, God. And, and um, you don't know who's going to show up. There's not much. We know what the Patriots will try to do to him, to them, or with the, which is to keep Josh Allen in the pocket. Uh, that, that's the key. Um, getting, getting, um, Gabriel Davis back is huge for the Bills because it, it makes it much, much harder to cover the receivers. Uh, COVID Beasley might actually um, turn <laughs> into, a, really on fire turn, today, turn into a, a useful a useful tool here. Um, if the weather's bad, I don't, you know, I don't see as it's going to change very much. Um, and I think I, I agree with John. I think it's it's the Bills in this one. Um, if if they go out to a lead. It's going to be even. It's going to be even worse for New England to try to come back because they're just not. They just don't have that big play capability um, to which you need to spur a comeback. They came back uh, last week, you know, but then they didn't have. The, they didn't just didn't have the wherewithal to be able to then take a lead uh, and go on and win the game in Miami. Now they won't be exhausted by the heat like they were in Miami, but you know, I, I still think probably the Bills are the right play. Okay, uh, that game is 1.16 in the morning on Saturday. Well, most of us won't have work on Sunday. If you do, I'm sorry, but uh, stay up. Don't be a loser. Uh, Let's go to the Sunday games. We start at 6 o'clock with, uh, on paper, is one of the bigger mismatches, the biggest one being Steelers at Kansas. But Philadelphia Eagles uh, head to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, of course, are current Super Bowl champions. 3-1 to about the Eagles. Uh, The Tampa Buccaneers... The Tampa Buccaneers did that well, one to four. 8.5 is the current spread. 49 points is the over-under. Does, does anyone see the Eagles putting too much up to Tampa realistically in a playoff game, guys? Mike, you want to go first? Not really. Um, they aren't the same team they were when they lost to Tampa. And, and if you remember that game, Tampa went out to a 28-7 lead and then just relaxed and the game wound up 28-22. But Tampa had 40 minutes of possession. They almost doubled the uh, yardage that Philadelphia had. Um, and the only thing that held them back was they had 120 yards of penalties in that game, which kept kept Philadelphia in it. Um, Philly's a bit better now as a run first team. The only question is whether Sirianni remembers that uh, at, or at what point in the game he chooses not to remember it. Uh, they often come out with Jalen Hurts throwing. The biggest weakness on Tampa is their secondary uh, and the passing game for Philadelphia is not a huge strength in terms of Hertz's accuracy and the receivers he's throwing to. Um, so, you know, I, I just don't see it. Um, and, and eight and a half, you know, Philadelphia is not as bad as Carolina when they had eight last week, but, but um, also I don't see Tampa taking their foot off the pedal in this game because, because it is a playoff game and you don't want to make it interesting. Yeah, that's the thing, John, isn't it? Like we look at spreads and obviously home teams with double digit spreads or two touchdowns were like, ooh, eyes light up. But we're in the playoffs now. The the teams are not going to stop. They're going to pile it on. Yeah, we're playing for keeps now, aren't we? I think um, 
the over under uh, I believe in this one is 49 and yeah. I think you know that's uh, that's probably is I think I don't think there's a higher one this weekend unless I'm I San Francisco Dallas oh, oh it is really okay yeah. yeah but it's it's up there with the highest ones at least anyway I think uh I'm tempted to go with the over in this one uh in particular because Again, like this is, uh, I, I can see Tampa winning for sure. I can see them winning quite handsomely. But I think this has the feel to me anyway of one of those games where uh, Brady gets them into a nice big lead and then, you know, Philly kind of closed the gap late on but never really get back within course of, you know, claiming the win. So that's, I think that'll be the game script. But in, in this one, you know, this is, this is a Tom Brady team in the playoffs. Tom Brady has 20 wins and four losses in home games in the playoffs throughout his career. And, you know, I don't expect that to, to change in any way, shape or form uh, in this game. For the Eagles, you know, making the playoffs with a rookie head coach and a young quarterback is just, a, it's a pretty good return for the season. I think they should be, you know, quietly satisfied. They've, they've established some good building blocks and a foundation there. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of the, their story for this season, I think this is where it ends for them. Excellent. At half past nine, um, arguably, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. It is the game of the of the weekend. The San Francisco 49ers head to the Dallas Cowboys. Eleven to eight, the 49ers. The Dallas Cowboys are six to ten. Mike's already laughing. Yeah, three points. <laughs> the word from Dallas is in. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's live, not fair. Live from Jerry Jones's Superdome. <laughs> oh, being Jerry is tough. Three points is the current spread, 50.5. And why I say this is a, a big game is because with those that we have a lot of younger listeners, YOLO, FOMO, etc. Hi, kids. Um, <laughs> but they won't realize that this is a huge, huge rivalry, really. Um, uh, it's the first time since 1994 um since the, uh, since the last playoff and 1998 was the last time that both teams were actually in the playoffs at the same time so really it's wow. a renewal of a rivalry mike carlson that 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 is you know in, in the 80s and the 90s it's and on oh, yeah. the 90s is, is is huge this is going to be interesting yeah it, but not for that reason if i if i can if i may be permitted I'll, I'll if just... i may be permitted to speak on behalf of the I'll younger just... generation oh yeah 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 you speak well of the younger <laughs> i mean it will be big for steve young in the commentary or in the you know studio um and for michael Irvin uh in the, in the studio but but uh you know n- not much of that carries through to to nowadays it is great for for those of us old enough to remember those days of Joe Montana and Steve Young and Troy Aikman and, you know, really great players on both sides of the ball. None of which uh, I remember for the record. Yeah, I mean, just, just so you know, clear. That, that was, those were the days of Dion, Kieran's Dion only Sanders <laughs> going, you know, going um, back and forth between the two teams, basically, based on who, who had the better shot of winning. Uh, we talked about this one a little bit earlier, and I, I don't see any, you know, great change in in, in my thinking there. Um the the Niners came back last weekend and did something no one had ever done before, which was to beat a Sean McVay team that led at halftime. That's true. Um, yeah. Which which was a huge, I think, a huge achievement. And and Jimmy Garoppolo played close to his best. You know, he he, he doesn't quite look as as fluid as he did when they went to the Super Bowl a few years ago, but. But he looked okay. You know, he's a good quarterback. I wouldn't put him in the line of the the great quarterbacks, but he's good enough to get them somewhere. And and he's got Debo Samuel, who is probably the best player on the field in in this game, unless it's Micah Parsons. Um, but the big difference for Dallas is is that they can rush the passer really well. Um, when they involve Parsons in the rush, he gives them three or four good rushers on a, on a given 
on a given pass play. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on Garoppolo, um, which Kyle Shanahan is going to really have to scheme around. Um, the good news for San Francisco is Elijah Mitchell is back. And in that system, he's a tremendous running back. And, and, you know, they've missed him more than people realize. And George Kittle is healthy. So that that's a plus. They, they didn't go to him as much as they might have. But I think that's because teams are trying to stop him. So um, the Cowboys with Cedric Wilson are actually, in my view, better than the Cowboys were with Michael Gallup. Um, and I'm not quite sure why, because Wilson doesn't give them all that much different in terms of what kind of a threat he is. But he has been making plays since he got his shot. Is that the same almost as the as the Pollard versus Elliott kind of debate? Well, Pollard, know? I think, is clearly better than Elliott as a runner. Yeah, but maybe not not in the paycheck. <laughs> you know, yeah. Not, um, although, you know, there. Elliott had that. What was that play against Arizona? He's a great blocker you know, in pass yeah. protection, which makes him really valuable because he can catch, he's also a great catcher of the ball. So when you put him in on third down, you know, their situation originally was everybody said, oh, Elliot's the number one back and Pollard's the third down back. It should be the other way around. Yeah, Pollard should be doing the running, you know, most of the running. And although he catches the ball as well, and Elliot being the, the change of pace, they're a great combination. I'm not putting anyone down, but you're right that, you know, Pollard deserves to be to get some of those jerry bucks you know yeah let's, I, I, I can... uh, let's nail some colors to the mask here gents come on come on come on come on who we got who's coming out on top like i said at the top of the show i like san francisco i'd like him a little bit more with a, an extra half a point say um but um yeah I, I'll, I'll take san francisco yeah. i probably i probably shouldn't I'm uh, i'm gonna stick to what we were talking about at the top of the show as well i, I like san francisco to go through in this one and uh you know, be the be the real dark horse going deeper into the into the playoffs. But I think the um, I I'm not going to go. Sorry, my bet on this one just to get it out of the way is the under because I just like the uh, you know it's a high total this week. I think there's a good chance for that one to hit under. But I think um, just to say this briefly, I think this game will be very much decided, or one of the key factors of this game will be um, how Garoppolo plays, as Mike has kind of suggested, because you know I think it is in the last seven weeks he's had four games where he's thrown multiple picks and the, this Cowboys team has been pretty damn good at, um, at turnovers this year, particularly looking at, you know, Trayvon Diggs and things like this. So if, if Jimmy G can keep the ball out of the Cowboys defensive backs hands, I think San Francisco win. But if Jimmy G is playing, if he's undercooked out there, I, I don't think it will go terribly well for them, but I still think uh, if I had to pick one, it's San Francisco with the under. Interesting. Interesting, gents. Uh, the later game, the 116, is on Sunday morning. Pittsburgh Steelers head to, to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, current favorites for the Super Bowl. 9-2 about the Steelers. 2-13 Kansas City Chiefs. 12.5, uh, it's the biggest spread of the weekend. 46 is the over-under. And uh, guys, um, Mike, Big Ben gets one more crack at the playoffs before he rides off into the sunset and into, the, into Canton. Better be a pretty big horse if he's going to ride off. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't argue with the spread. Um, you know, it looks a mismatch. Pittsburgh six two and one at home, three and five on the road. Um, and if you look at the three and five, it's mostly those 16, 13 kind of games where, you know, in the NFC North, everybody plays ugly and, and, you know, and then they managed to put together one, one drive for the win. What's their chance? Their chances is if TJ Watt, for example, dominates Andrew Wiley, um, the way that, um, the way that Tampa dominated 
him in the playoffs last year, uh, the backup tackles in, in the playoffs last year. Then they 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 control the middle. They control the the second level in pa- in the passing game. Um, they pick off a ball or two. Minka Fitzpatrick or somebody comes up with a big play. They stop Kansas City's run game because their front three is pretty good. Um, they've got pretty good linebacking behind them that so that they stall Kansas city. And then, you know, maybe they get a turnover too, but even if they do that, it's hard to see them putting up more than 16, 17 points against the chiefs. So it's not like the chiefs offense needs to dominate them to win this game. They can, you know, to me, I, the more I look at the best case scenario for Pittsburgh is kind of a 21, 17 loss you know, a 1917 loss, something like that, um, which it would indicate that, you know, if you like the Steelers, you might be better off going under this. John? Yeah, I think um, this is, you know, I don't think many people, probably even Pittsburgh Steelers expected themselves to be here and perhaps, um, perhaps Big Ben, you know, thought he'd be on a beach this weekend rather than, you know, going into Kansas City. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, it's probably... I'd have to look this up, but it's probably quite rare for a playoff game to have a 12 and a half point spread. I mean, I think that's probably quite unusual, but it's probably quite unusual. I think unusual. the Patriots were 12 and a half when they played the Rams in the Super Bowl. Really? Or more. Yeah. That's unusual to me as well. Um, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm tempted to go with, you know, can, can Pittsburgh keep it within 12? I think I'm just going to hit the under on this one. Uh, I it's this, this is a strange game to me. I think Chiefs will be uh, I think they'll just manage this game, get it done. Be wary of any potential banana banana skins, like you say. T.J. Watt is a he'll be out there, and that's that's a real danger. And if he does play like he's been playing all season, that could change the game script tremendously. But I think what we'll see from Kansas is kind of a more measured type of performance than we have been used to in the last couple of years, where they just put up you know 35, 40 points. I don't think that'll be the case this time. So um, Steelers won't put up many points, is my prediction, and it'll hit the under. The under the over under in this game is 46. And when the two teams played in Kansas um, City during the season, it was 36 10. What a coincidence. Um, <laughs> the last game that we'll look at, Mike, is Arizona Cardinals heading to the LA Rams. This is Monday night football at 115, 8 to 5 about the Arizona Cardinals. The LA Rams want to two, four points is the spread. Uh, 49.5 is the over under. And, you know, it's. They're both pretty inconsistent again. It's a word we've used a lot in this episode, but, but but both have looked very strong. Cardinals went off on this big winning streak and then didn't even manage to win their division. LA Rams. Stafford looks good, but he's thrown a lot of picks recently. I'm asking you, Mike, where are you going with this? Oh, <laughs> was there a question in there? I suppose there wasn't a it's question. more of a statement, really. No, I should have, I should have, uh, Matt, 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 you're, you're, a lot of picks recently, you're, Mike. You're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> the car, the Cardinals started out seven and oh, and they've gone four and six ever since, uh, which is basically what they did last year. Oh, you know, almost, mm. almost, well, it was the same pattern, almost in the same result. Um, but the Rams were seven and one after eight weeks which people forget about. And then Robert Woods got hurt and they've been five and four ever since. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, and I think Woods's injury has been a factor in Stafford's inconsistency as the, as the season's worn down cup has played absolutely fantastic football and teams realize that. So, you know, Stafford has to go to his other receivers and it, it appears to me he's a little bit hesitant 
to do that. And he's, he's trying too hard to put in perfect balls or, or to force them to come. Um, Higby is probably his number two guy ahead of any of the other wide receivers, including Van Jefferson. Um, and, and that to me is a worry. They split, they split the season um, series and both games went over 50 points. So, you know, the over-under is 49-5, but that's probably pretty vulnerable in, in this game. And, and it was and the road the Ram- team who won each of those games as well, Mike. Yeah, um, which which is interesting for Arizona. And Arizona's pattern tends to be that they come back furiously toward the end of games. And and the Rams' pattern had been that they don't lose games where they where they um, are leading at halftime, which was broken just last week. So, you know, I, I, I was looking at, what the odds are on, on halftime full-time in this game. Um, and it, that's, it's, you can get a pretty good price on, on um, either team uh, switching it. So if it, Rams, Rams, Arizona, halftime full-time is 17 to two, mm-hmm. Arizona Rams halftime full-time is 13 to two. It is indeed. Um, yep. Yeah. And those are tempting. You know, the problem is figuring out which way. <laughs> which way is most more likely to, to for it to come in john which way do you see this one going uh yeah this is this is a tricky one to pick um i think just to get to the the crux of it i suppose i ultimately opted for um arizona to win so i'm going to take them with the points in this one but i think you know it's that's this is an easier that's an easier thing that's easier said than done uh, situation i should say you know I do think, as I kind of I bumped into Mike there, that yeah, the fact that the road team has won all the games so far this season just kind of tips me into Arizona in this one. I think, um, you know, both of the quarterbacks are playing, you know, not their best football at the moment. And Stafford as well. I mean, this is with the Lions now, but he's never won a playoff game uh, in, in three opportunities, I think it is. And in, in the, he's been pretty turnover heavy recently as well. And, um, you know, maybe some of that, as Mike was saying, is kind of force is trying to force the ball to places where it shouldn't be. Uh, I wonder how much of that is, you know, they've got Odell Beckham in there as well. I wonder if they're, you know, <laughs> repeating some of the problems that led to him being in Los Angeles in the first place. Uh, but I don't know. This is from the Rams perspective, you know, this these are the types of games where their their draft strategy or their lack of draft strategy, I should say, and their free agency strategy uh, is supposed to pay off on. Uh, and their trade strategy, I should say, as well. You know, the getting players like Von Miller in there, getting, you know, he was a free agent, but getting Beckham in there, these big name, big name players are supposed to deliver on this stage. So this will be a, the litmus test for that and, and for Sean McVay and the GM strategy of how they assemble the roster together. But uh, if it's me, I'm just leaning slightly towards Arizona here. So I'll take them with the points. Okay, that is it. A reminder to everyone while I let the lads think about their best bets of the weekend uh, that if you're listening to us uh, on Wednesday or if you're listening to us on Thursday, then you are still in Betfair's uh, Daily Double Rewards Week, which means if you uh, bet £20 worth of multiples or bet builders, uh, you'll get a £10 free bet or euro, whichever way. Wherever you are, I would get it in euros. Uh, so when you bet £20 worth of multiples or bet builders, you get £10 free bet. That's Wednesday and that's Thursday. That will revert to £5 uh, from, or five euro from uh, from Friday when the Daily Double Rewards week ends. But I have been told on good authority that one will be coming back very, very shortly. Uh, so uh, do take advantage of it while you still can. Gentlemen, let's get your best bets of the weekend. Both of you are looking. Well, I'll tell you what. Mike lo- looks the more studidious. Uh, shall we studidious. say? Studidious. <laughs> studidious. 
What do I look like then, Kieran? Make up a word for me. I would not like to say <laughs> what you look like, John. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's time for Carlson's Corner live from Foxborough. <laughs> Oh, well, it is It is a tough one. Um, it's a very tough week. Can I just tell you, actually, well, I'll let you just have a little, can I just tell you, if you if you literally said, I, I don't know much about it, or uh, I'm going to back every single favourite for the game on the money line. So that's Bengals at 4-9, to nine, Bills at 1-2, to two, Bucks at 1-4, to four, Cowboys 6-10, to 10, Kansas City 2-13, to 13, and Rams 1-2, to two, and you stuck a tenner on it, you get £75 back. So you just back all of the teams on the money line. You don't need to worry about it. Go ahead um, and do that. But then, it's, then, not, it's not a best bet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a best bet, but that shows you where we are in the season. That 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 that, that could click like that. So crack on, Mike. I interrupted you. Sorry. Yeah, well, I, I, the Undertaker is going to go back to being being himself here. And my my real question is, I'm looking at both of the Saturday games as unders, um, and I'm going to I think settle on um, settle on Cincinnati and Vegas to go under 49. Okay, John Buff, where are you going? I'm also going to hit the under on this one. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but I think the um, I don't think the Steelers are going to put up very much resistance against Kansas City, but I, I don't think Kansas City are going to light up the scoreboards themselves. So I'm going to go uh, under in the Steelers and Chiefs game. Uh, I'm going to my good friend and WhatsApp buddy, Tom Brady, and uh, going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus 8.5. I think they'll put up a score on the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles are a playoff team at all. Um, so that's it. That, that's our three. I wonder if, uh, let me, uh, you know, if you put three of those, uh, just give me a minute here, guys, while I clear my bet slip. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Um, yes, listeners, keep listening. <laughs> Under in the under in that, uh, you went under in what again, John? I've already forgotten. Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Uh, 46 big ones, 68 big ones, Mike, from a tenor. That's not too bad. Nearly 69. (laughs) Nice. Oh, such a little John. But the kids are listening. It's one well for the kids. A reminder to please gamble responsibly this weekend and every single weekend. And do enjoy Super Wildcard Weekend. We will be back once again when the top seeds enter the playoff picture and the road to the Super Bowl really, really starts to get interesting. Thank you for listening. We'll speak to you next week. Bye from Mike. Bye, Mike. Bye from John. Bye. Bye.